Welcome back to TV Talk Machine, a podcast about television. I'm Jason Snell, and across the internet for me, your host, chief TV critic at The Hollywood Reporter, Mr. Tim Goodman. Hi, Tim. Hello, Jason. Welcome back. Uh, thank you. Welcome back to you, too. We missed mm-hmm. a week, and I have a letter or a tweet about that. Paul from the 412 tweeted last <laughs> Friday, is the show canceled? <laughs> <laughs> and I, what I want to say about that is, imagine how uh, like <laughs> consistent we've been that now a lack of a TV talk machine on a Friday is not yeah. business as usual, but instead is cause for immediate assumption that the show has been canceled. That is, it's, it's pretty great. It says <sighs> a lot about our persistent nature and love of television. Yes, we did mention it, but you had to get to the end of the previous episode uh, to, uh, to find us saying we won't be here next week. Cause I kind of sprung that on you. I was like, I'm traveling. Let's not do a podcast <laughs> next true, week. Oh, all right. Okay. But it was there. It was there. We warned people sort of, but no, no worries, Paul, because as this episode proves, we're back. Uh, and you know who else is back? Donald <laughs> Glover is back next week with Atlanta season two. Have you seen it? I have seen it. I have reviewed it. Uh, it's not going to go up on our site probably until Tuesday. That's my guess. Uh, yeah. And then March 1st is when it premieres. So there'll be some reviews out by then. We won't be the first ones up, but I I wrote it this week. It's going into the magazine and then they hold it basically. Um, it's really interesting. It's, uh, it's great. Um, you know, I, I think that what it did last year, which was, you know, so interesting to me was like, uh, you know, it, it just it broke a lot of barriers. It continued to uh, be in that 30 minute space that broke barriers from Louie on up through, you know, a master of none, et cetera, et cetera. And, but it was its own thing. And what to me is interesting is it's been over a year because obviously Donald Glover's career is taking off. He's doing the solo movie, the star Wars movie. He did, he did, uh, child shape Gambino music. He, the other, the rest of the cast all did like two or three movies when they were on hiatus. So the weird part about the show coming back, Jason, is that I, I almost feel like they, they love doing it, but they're all so successful in other ways. I mean, even Zazie Beats, who you could say is probably, was probably, not the, she was on the screen the least of the main four, and she's going to be in a Marvel movie. Um, as like the female lead, so all of their all of their stars are are, are ascending. It's almost like they don't really need the show anymore, which hmm. I think is a really interesting place to be in year two. But obviously they'll they'll continue to do it. I just think we have to look at Atlanta in a different place. Um, but and they and they decided that they didn't want to call it season two. They wanted to name it like an album. So, uh, so season two is actually quote unquote Robin season, R O B B I N apostrophe. Mm-hmm. Basically, that time right before Christmas when uh, uh, certain parts of the world have their you know armed robberies and theft increase, and Atlanta is there to talk about that. Um, robberies are a part of each episode that I saw. They sent three. But it's it hasn't missed a beat in being funny and also being insightful at the same time. Something that it does on a level that few shows do. Like you can you can be looking at something and it'd be like, oh, that's this is funny, or well, and then the next scene is like some crazy dramatic, you know, poignant moment. And uh, this that show does a good good job of it. Huh. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. 
good good to have it good to have it back yeah everybody everybody and it's good there's some there's some funny there's some funny parts to it the, the show is so weird you know because like i said zazie zazie beats is going to be in deadpool too but there's a there's some so many funny things that like you just got to think like are they what is going on like they like donald glover has said the inspiration for this second season despite you know not being called second season came from tiny tunes adventures yeah Specifically, Tiny Toons Adventures, How I Spent My Vacation, the spinoff movie. So it makes you really think that they're working on a different level over there. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's fascinating. It yeah. is. How it's I weird. Sp- but it's, it, bottom line is it's still really good. All right. That's good. Um, we have a few other things that you've reviewed in the last couple of weeks that we should at least touch on. You okay. reviewed Everything Sucks on Netflix. Does it suck or does it not? It doesn't suck. It's just not original. It mm. is, you know, it's basically, um, it's it's like a combination of Stranger Things meets Freaks and Geeks. It borrows liberally from both of those two things. Uh, not surprising. Um, it seems like it. It seems like it was made out of like uh, Netflix or someone coming to Netflix and saying, "What if we did this?" And it was this kind of artificial you know, algorithm that would probably work on Netflix. And they said, yes, because that fits our algorithm. So there's not a lot of originality into it. I I said like 85% of it seems uh, pre-done. And the 15% though, that is, um, that I would say is real and is not artifice or pandering to some other show is actually really good. So some people might like it. I, I have a feeling that it's going to be palatable to a lot of people because it doesn't have a lot of... It's a coming-of-age story, and it doesn't have um, uh, a lot of swearing in it. I mean, uh, like, hard edges. So I, I compared it, though, like, would you rather watch Everything Sucks or would you rather watch the other Netflix series, which is a coming-of-age series called uh, The End of the... Sexing world. world. See? We don't have to check it now. Um, So I I would much rather watch the latter because it was wholly original Mm. and well done and well written. And this one seems like, let's try to make a show that looks like other shows. So, All right. So not everything sucks, but uh, what about Final (laughs) Space? Well, the inter- I think the most interesting thing about Final Space is one of those moments that happen where you go, oh, boy, I don't know what to make of this. Um, the person who made Final Space, who is the animator and creator and the writer and one of the voice talents, said on Twitter after I put out this review that basically says this show's boring <laughs> and doesn't make any sense. You know, there's like no point to the show. Uh, he was like, hi, I, I make the show. I just, thanks for reviewing it. Um, you know, very nice person. It makes, it makes you feel like, uh, okay, what do I do with that? Like, you know, you don't want to say anything more mean than the review I already said, but there's not much you can say about it. Um, he's a new, he was a, it was a YouTube s- series that started off basically. It was, that's how, that's what it was. And then, um, you know, I, I think that the, the problem was it with it was it, it feels so out of place, you know, it's like not much of it's very funny. The animation is nothing to write home about. The jokes seem, a little to 1998 or early 2000. And it looks like, it looks like something that Fox Sunday animation series would have just said, no, you guys are kind of like, we got enough of this stuff. Maybe go over to 
Adult Swim, and then, and then Adult Swim would have said, you know what, this is not edgy enough for us. So I don't know where it goes. Yeah, it's on TBS. That's the thing. When I first saw this, I was like, oh, this must be another Adult Swim, you know. But no, it's a TBS show, which is also weird. I guess Conan O'Brien has a connection there. Maybe that's the story. I don't know. Yeah, he's, a he's the executive producer. producer. Yeah. Maybe they thought they could pay, pair it with something that wasn't animated. I, I don't know. But it's just, uh, it is sort of, I mean, I want to be mean. But it is the definition of like, uh, okay. Yeah. Like, that's it. It's meh. Uh, and it's maybe there. it's, maybe it's not even meh because in, in 2018, really time is, well, we've been saying this from 2015 probably, but time is of the essence, my friend. And when you watch Final Space, all you do is feel the clock ticking away. All right. Some good voice, voice actors on it, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. All right. Uh, what about. McMafia. <laughs> wow. Mm. Oh my god. Quite a Let's quite see. a title. Quite a title. McMafia. And it's based on a nonfiction book, which I, I think is really interesting. Um a lot of people loved the nonfiction sort of research journalism type book. Um Yeah. You know, this one was uh, <laughs> In the in the industry, there were like but like buzz like oh this could be a thing this could be a big deal um, maybe not a Sopranos level series but you know it's from AMC and there's some good actors in it and like maybe it'll turn into in, into something the New York Times did a piece about how it was one of the real true international series in that you know part a lot of it has to do with Russian mafia and a lot of the actors are really Russians. And when they go to uh, Israel, uh, a lot of the actors are from Israel and on and on, from Czechoslovakia down to even to Mexico. Um, they cast actual people who were from those places. Uh, but what, where it doesn't work, though, Jason, is that it's not particularly interesting. It, um, it moves really slow. And, and for me, I thought I can't avoid talking about that anymore. It used to be I, I thought that was a dumb piece of criticism I, I do think it like matters more now um only in because we're the the environment has changed you know it's like you you know rectify is 10 times slower but it's 100 times better so i just don't know if slower series can make it and if they if they are slow then you're taking a big risk in this current environment when people are going to be checking their you know their watches and and looking elsewhere uh, but for me, the, and I, and I use this for a, for a column that I'm writing next week. And we can talk about this, this p- column next week uh, on our podcast, but I used it as an example in comparison to counterpart, which I've now watched the entire season where they are good examples of making good decisions and bad decisions. The, I think that they make some really inspired creative decisions in counterpart, which are defensible, even if you don't like them. You know, somebody somebody makes a decision and you think, oh, that wasn't that smart. But I get why they that per, that character would have made that decision in that moment. If you can justify that, I think the writing is solid. If a character, <clears throat> let's say in McMafia, makes a decision and you're like, oh, that's not smart, buddy. And then he makes another and another and another. Then you're just talking about it's not very it's not very good writing. Um, and to me, the galling part of McMafia was I got in to the uh fifth episode i guess and they gave him a chance after all after making a series of dumb decisions <clears throat> you know the first couple are excusable but after they've made a series of 
of dumb decisions, like ever increasingly bad decisions where I was rolling my eyes. They gave him an out. It's an amazing out. And he didn't take it. The actor or the character doesn't take it. And I was like, oh, totally groaning. And then I was like, oh, you, what you guys were trying to do was to make me or anybody watching the series make us realize that this guy is breaking bad. But you never, ever gave us any inclination that he wanted to break bad. And that's a problem. So, yeah, I have a lot of issues with McMafia. <laughs> okay. There's a lot there. Yeah. Well, doesn't that... Doesn't, I mean, you watch TV all the time, doesn't that... When people make bad decisions, that look, that happens all the time on TV. And that's what usually separates bad writing from good writing. But sometimes... You can you can rationalize why they make a bad decision, but doesn't it try, drive you crazy when they when they don't stop making bad decisions? Yeah, it, it is. Um, it's the idiot plot syndrome, right? Which mm-hmm. is the, that's the frustrating thing that um, if somebody does something literally for no good reason other than that they need to get to the story to the point where the writer wants to get it, that's the part that really frustrates me because people make bad decisions and dumb mm-hmm. decisions, but you have to understand why they make those decisions. And if you if if there's no good reason um, on the screen, then it just gets frustrating. Like, mm-hmm. why are you being, why are you, why did you do that? Why did, why are you doing this stupid thing? Why are you making this bad decision? I, I need to know. I need to understand that. Or it's just, you know, I, I, you, you feel the writer being like, no, pay no attention. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> they have to do this so that this other thing can happen in the story. <laughs> so yeah, let's just get through this decision. Yeah. It's like, oh boy. It's not so great. Yeah. I struggle with it. Um, so I have a question for you, which is who is winning the streaming wars? <laughs> <laughs> which is from your critics notebook that was the headline posted earlier this week uh where well, you kind of bullet point a bunch of the players so uh tell me about this what do you think well it's kind of interesting because um that's that column was i wrote just much like today i wrote that column last friday um and when i was done with it they were like you know what maybe it's a little bit late in the day for east coast let's hold on to it it's for monday and i'm like okay uh, same thing happened today uh, on this thing where I was comparing McMafia and Counterpart and some other TV decisions. But in this one, on Monday, when I read the review, I was like, uh, that's not my headline. <laughs> so, um, and then I, I won't name names because it was an off-the-record thing, but someone definitely took uh, offense to the headline, which says, who is winning the streaming wars? Um, and it, it, that's not what it's about. Like, it's really... Uh, nobody's I, I mean i guess the column is basically everybody is doing what they're exactly what they should be for the most part right now except maybe for apple and you know the piece was like here's what apple is doing and is it really doing this because if it continues to do this we keep thinking a big decision is going to come but if it keeps continuing to do this boy maybe we we have to reevaluate like what apple is doing um so i don't know if it, who who's winning it i will say though that it's funny because um, I call them the big four streamers. Well, obviously, in next year, there's going to be a a big fifth <laughs> one, probably one of the close. It's either going to be number one or two because Disney gets into it um, and they're going to be a big player. I don't mention that Disney in here because it's just such a weird market right now where Apple is in. We know Apple's in the streaming service, but they don't have their streaming service up and running. But we know they're buying content like mad. Um, Disney is a content producer and is going to it's going to be acquiring Hulu obviously in this uh, Fox deal um and then it's going to create this other just like Apple it's going to create this other streaming service but unlike Apple we don't really have a whole lot of evidence that that Disney 
and whatever name they're going to use is actually out buying things earmarked specifically for its streaming service. So I didn't, I didn't include it uh, in there. So I don't know. Nobody's winning, but all of them were doing really interesting things. I'll tell you that. The uh, at the Code Media conference last week, um, there was somebody from Disney there, the chief strategy officer Kevin Mayer, mm-hmm. and um, sounded to me like Hulu is uh from some of the things he said the interpretation was that hulu may be the um the 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 destination after all for the adult more adult content that Mm -hmm. is owned by disney and that that you know you might you you might see uh comcast for example say well we don't want to really uh build the brand value of a service that's majority owned by uh, by Disney, but it uh, he said that's not going to change their strategy for for Hulu. So um, it sounds like a little more um, maybe suggestion that that's what they're thinking right now in terms of Hulu is is using it as a as the the vessel for that stuff. Perhaps all of the you know stuff we think of now as Fox material might end yeah. up there. And FX and, and, yeah, and a exactly. lot of the stuff that they that they have. I think the stuff that they're going to acquire not only for their you know, there's a lot of Fox movies that they're going to acquire as well, um, and the, that the studio made that are probably going to be maybe a little too racy for uh, the Disney thing, and we'll go right. there. So that definitely makes sense. Um, like I, I wrote about that too, and, and yeah, it's just that that makes sense. I think the the last thing that, that's interesting in the Hulu deal is once once this thing goes through, you know, who's going to bail uh, and and then and then go make their own, right? Basically, yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. This I, I feel like we're, we're, it gives us something to talk about for ages now, for years to come. The uh, the fascinating world of uh, where, where all the different streaming players are going to go. So, well, yeah, I mean, that, it, it, that's what, and that's kind of why I did it. Right, it was like a rundown of things because look, Netflix gave Ryan Murphy three hundred million dollars, yeah. which is nothing to sneeze at. And um, I hope you appreciated my uh, Ryan Murphy comes to the uh, free agent market at right, just the right time with a lot of people having a lot of money under the cap and they cap expanding. Yes. Uh, <laughs> sports. That's those sports references, nerds. Got to have them in there. For those who don't, who don't, who don't know. <laughs> um, oh, and, and we should mention that uh, also you mentioned in the story, uh, Amazon now has a new mm-hmm. uh, head and, and as you had suggested, boy, they better bring a woman, a woman in there. And they did. They brought Jen, what is it? Salk? Jen Salky. Salky mm-hmm. from NBC. So she's now in charge of Amazon, which obviously has an enormous uh, amount of money that they're spending on original content, too. Yeah. And it's 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 funny with her because, I mean, look, it, it, it's hard to judge her track record. She's spent all most of the stuff at at, at NBC. So um, as I said in my piece, they're not going to be making NBC shows for uh, Amazon, at least God, I hope not. And uh, even like a good one, like This Is Us, they can certainly make This Is Us and put it on um, Amazon without anybody like kind of smushing up their nose and saying, I want something better. But you can't put network level stuff on Amazon. You, you have to swing higher. So it, it still remains to be seen whether she can do that. But I, I don't know if you noticed the other day that um, that uh, Jeff Bezos tweeted out <laughs> uh, something about uh, one of the sci-fi books that 
yes. Amazon's making. I was going to mention that. <laughs> yes, do. <laughs> well, it's it's so uh, one of the things they picked up in addition to paying the Tolkien estate, you know, one hundred million dollars just for the rights to be able to start thinking about making. Sorry, two hundred fifty million, a huge number that I can't even <laughs> comprehend, just for the rights to start developing a TV series. Mm-hmm. Nothing made, nobody hired, uh, based on Lord of the Rings. They also bought the rights to and and what's funny about this is I see the big picture here uh, and obviously Jeff Bezos is excited um, Elon Musk is probably excited because Elon Musk actually names the drone ships that the first stage of the SpaceX uh, rockets land back on those are all named for ships in Ian Banks's culture series of science fiction novels and so Bezos is excited other billionaires it's boy it's the choice those books are the choice of billionaire nerds is what we are learning um, I, I so you think well consider Flabus that's a weird title and what is this about and if you read the book you're like this is uh, you know it, it's a it's an interesting book but the point is the culture series by ian banks is beloved it is super rich with different story possibilities and so i think it is an interesting decision by amazon among their sort of like searching for the next big genre hit to uh, pick that up because you know th- it, there's a huge universe where a lot of the background has already been worked out by ian banks who mm-hmm. uh, passed away a couple years ago but he's he wrote a mini novel set in this universe it is widescreen this isn't like about a family on a planet it's like throughout the whole galaxy many cultures many planets um lots of story to tell there and so i can see why they would pick up the you know first book in the culture series and presumably kind of option the rest you know to to follow it if it goes well and say we're gonna base we're gonna do a show based on this so you know it's another one of these big swings but i can see why they're doing it i can see it yeah, I, I had two questions. One was, my first one was like, okay, they've done this. So what would you call this? Like, would you call it culture? Uh, well, this is the question. I don't know what they're going to call it. I mean, the culture is what mm-hmm. the series is called. Right. Consider Flabus is not a good name for a TV series. No, it's not. So maybe you call it the culture? It, it, they could. It, it depends yeah. on what they're, uh, you know, or they'll, or they'll come up with another name for it. The culture is really interesting because, like, it is it is a loose series of novels with different characters in different times and places. So uh, you could also just invent a name for it. But if, if, if like The Expanse, right, it's a where they named it for the series of books and not the original uh, book title, which was Leviathan right. Wakes, they um, consider Flabus. I would imagine it will be either given a totally new t- title or they will do something with the culture. Um, but uh, yeah, but it's got the raw material for it. It's fascinating. Well, wow, that's good. I think the culture is nebulous enough to be to incorporate like a multiple number of novels. Right. Um, and I, I was just hoping that, I mean, I, I know that they love the, the author. I was just hoping they didn't do another... Um, uh, you know, like um, the electric dreams, Philip oh, K. Right. Dick's electric. I mean, just it just ooh, it gets a little too. I mean, everybody loves Philip K. Dick, but it gets a little too cumbersome to roll off the tongue for a for a title. Yeah, so I, I think that's the culture in the in the books is a kind of like galaxy spanning culture uh that is uh and there are others out there that battle it and you have like the agents of that culture who are going to different planets and they've got different missions and they investigate things and they depending on i've I've read i think the first three of them so um yeah it's uh there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting stuff in there so i'm not surprised that it's amazon yeah the books are good they're they're not like um 
they're not like super juicy page turners like uh, mm-hmm. like maybe a, a Game of Thrones uh, series, the George R. Uh-huh. R. Martins, or or even the Expanse. But they are very thoughtful and incredibly rich, and mm-hmm. uh, and have some really serious uh, fans behind them, including like I said, Elon Musk and apparently Jeff Bezos too. So definitely, uh, I I can see how. <laughs> A raw material is there for building a, a sort of any science fiction series you wanted, which a little like our altered carbon yeah. in that in that way, where yeah. where you can kind of take it take it, and you've got a story, but you've also got this incredibly rich universe to explore. I just I just thought that it's hilarious that Bezos, who's got uh, he's only tweeted 144 times right. in I don't know how many years, um, when he's super excited about. Amazon acquiring this and and I went back and I counted all 144 tweets and only three were specifically TV show related one was about them signing kept doing getting the Lord of the Rings things he he had a picture of the ring being illuminated by the fire um, and was excited about that and the other one was of all things uh, the Grand Tour. Um, so of all three things he must be you know he's a car nerd probably so um, and everybody loved Top Gear but he's only tweeted three times about shows on on Amazon. So I, I was like, I guess the show pretty much has a green light to get a second season. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're the guys who are behind this, you're like, you know, your boss, like way up. No, not your boss boss. Your boss's boss's boss just tweeted out that he loves this. So yeah, we're gonna wanna ask for more more per episode dollars. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Jeff's excited. Mm-hmm. So good luck. <laughs> yeah. Put that one together. But yeah, lots of potential there. Would you like to uh go through a few letters? Let's do that. All right, let's do it. Um first up, this comes from our friend Craig Newmark, who tweeted at us. Oh yes. Uh-huh. If, if you know. By the way, Craig, thank you very much. I sold my old iMac on Craigslist two weeks ago. So Nice. Just, yeah, Craigslist still I'm gonna be selling a couple of bikes on Craigslist coming up. So yeah, we, we love Craig. We love Craig. Mm-hmm. Uh he sent in a link to an article at Ars Technica that I'll put in the show notes that I just thought was fun because it is about um, one of the early internet TV reviewers. And it's a, a guy named Tim Lynch who posted on RecArts Star Trek about uh, Star Trek Next Generation and Deep Space Nine when it was airing week by week with these lengthy, <laughs> detailed reviews. Uh-huh. I remember them. I wrote some review, episode reviews on RecArts Star Trek when I was in college. And, <laughs> and it was just like, but then there was Tim Lynch. There was me for about a year and then I gave up. And then there was Tim Lynch who was there for a very long time. It quotes the ours article it quotes alan suppenwall who was himself reviewing tv shows of course he was on <laughs> usenet back in the day um and but what's funny about it is that this because he sort of like the time in which he was doing this he was super internet famous at a time when nobody was on the internet and so he's just like a science teacher who uh, keeps teaching his kids, but he like at one point had a Star Trek producer's kid in his class, uh, which was very funny because his kid was like printing out his reviews and showing them to his dad. Um, it's just a, it's a fun story about the about the early days on the internet, but and and it makes the argument that Tim Lynch is one of the very first sort of like internet TV recappers, and that's not entirely right because those were reviews. Um, mm-hmm. But it is that idea of like, well, on the internet we can start taking TV a, an episode at a time and. Do 
digging into it. And, uh, and so it's, it was a fun story to, to see, uh, Tim Lynch, who was, yeah, he was the star of, uh, of the Star Trek reviews, certainly in the, oh. in the late eighties and early nineties when I was, uh, reading, uh, record Star Trek every day. So I'm totally, I'm totally want to see that piece. That's yeah, thanks. For, it's, that's, yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty fun. It's pretty thanks, fun. Craig for sending that in. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, a Seppenwall reference. That's that he was ri- writing. <laughs> of course he was working stuff. Uh, he was just then. writing about NYPD Blue. <laughs> uh-huh. oh that's right. That's just mm-hmm. uh, that's just it. So anyway, thanks, Craig, for sending that in. Uh, Jess wrote in. Is this Design Geek Jess? I don't know. Um, saying with oh, new could be yeah. with new shows of Platinum TV dropping, how do you refresh your memory as to what happened last season? Doesn't don't always remember what happened in the last episode, much less the season, and I don't have time to rewatch. Um, oh. I wanted to ma- mention something. This I think I may, may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but I wanted to do it again. Which is this is so true. Like Netflix is spending how many billions of dollars on content, and yet when season two of Travelers came on, it had been a year since I had watched season one. I don't understand why they don't spend a very small amount of money to build a last season on the show that you're about to watch as an episode zero, a trailer, something, put it up maybe even like a week in advance of the show coming back as part of the publicity, uh, you know, uh, to get people excited about it and, and do a little like recap. So you remember what, what, uh, what you saw. Cause like, I'm not, I'm sure Netflix wants me to just go back and watch season one again, but I'm not going to do that for most mm-hmm. of these shows. So this is one of those things where I see like, I feel like there's a failure of imagination on the part of streaming services especially where it it costs them almost nothing and they have a place for it because they don't have to find a time slot on a network they literally just slot it in as a promo and it, they could even have it be at the top of episode one with the skip mm-hmm. intro thing if they wanted yeah. to so i i'm with jess here i am baffled about why they don't do a better job of this because it would be super helpful for everybody to know what happened previously and it, it just i i mean i i imagine if you paid somebody for you know 10 15 hours of work they could cut together a little a little previously on trailer it probably wouldn't be super hard to do and it would help everybody out i don't know well look you first of all you've totally uh, patched into one one of my next week's (laughs) other uh critics notebooks oh nice Uh, because that's you know i'm hacking i'm in the deep web hacking your notebooks in there Mm -hmm. and it's but it was it's it's exactly what i've been trying to i don't i don't get it like I, i honestly don't get it um why do i have to go to like a, a mm-hmm. wikipedia page yeah it's it's it, you know none of this none of it makes sense because uh, but it gets to the deeper issue not only for but especially netflix but but the other streamers as well uh and, and amazon in particular is this, you're like uh okay like what happened because look to, to jess's question when i get stuff if i get a link or if i get uh which is mostly what happens now uh or if i get an actual uh, disc it's never previously on no so i always have to go back and, and i'm like wait what and what was happening there? because you drop it in a binge it's not three months since the last episode it's a year so you yeah. really don't remember what happened before yeah and and so so your point to putting that uh, putting putting a simple trailer, it should actually be mandated into their contracts that they make with these people. And by the way, I'm sure these the the these series creators would love that because, you know, like uh, as you said, it's the barrier to entry is what's going to stop people from watching your show. And but you know, they're 
Look, this this big well of what's happening inside Netflix continues to fascinate me. But this this idea is one of them. Like this is a, a way they could make things so much easier. But it, to to Jess's bigger question, yeah, I really struggle with it, even for shows that I really love um, <clears throat> to go back. And I wonder if um, you know, I don't know if you're watching uh, uh, Counterpart week to week. I, I watched, uh, so I don't know if they're they have to do a previously on because that is one really hard to follow series. And I've seen the whole season now. I love it. It totally sticks the landing. But at the but the at the end, it was hilarious how complicated the show got. I mean, it, it was follow. You could follow it, but there was one scene where I was like, okay. That's light Howard. That's dark Howard. That's light, light. Oh, light. No, that's light Howard. That's dark Howard. You know, you have to just try to figure out where they are. So yeah, when you get to these complicated shows, a little intro, a little help would yeah. be nice. I, I would imagine. Yeah. That, that the creators of these shows would be more than happy to cut together the equivalent of a previously on that is for the previous season, just enough to get you up to speed so you can dive in instead of spending the whole first episode going, wait, who's that guy? Why is he doing this again? Because that's super frustrating. And and you don't want to build in a restatement of your premise because you know that in the end, people are going to just kind of dive bomb it and binge through, you know, when they find it in two years time, they're going to just go from the last episode of the previous season right into it. But you do for the people who are coming back, you want those people people to come back i don't know it, it feels like a feels like a blind spot in the mm-hmm. uh in the in the streaming services like it's just not something they've really given um thought because i feel like if they would have thought about it they would do something about it but it just seems like they're too focused on the binge and the catalog and not on like how do you get people back into a season um after it's your show's been away for a year Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, thanks, Jess. Not Design Geek Jess. Totally different Jess. But Jess in the, I think, four, maybe 650, maybe 408 South Bay local person for us. Um, Lee in the plus 44. So Blighty. Blighty. Uh, Lee says, I've just been altered carbon on an Atlantic trip. I have a lot of seat time. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great series, but boy. It's not ideal for public slash in-flight viewing. <laughs> Lots of sudden iPad screen hiding. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend a who I, ta- I was talking to about our Ultra Carbon who was also going like Lee across the Atlantic. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll watch Ultra Carbon. I'm like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not on a plane. It's a lot of nudity. Oh, a lot of, a lot there's of nudity. So much nudity. Yeah, there's, there's so much nudity, which is not a bad thing. But yes, when you're on a plane, it's it can be very uncomfortable. Yeah, because there there are a couple of scenes where you could be looking at like what it what are you watching? Somebody like literally looks over and it's like, are you watching porn? No, no, it's a prestige Netflix drama <laughs> where these two people are having sex. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, oh sorry. Yeah, I'll turn the. Maybe Netflix needs like a little like we <laughs> we check the box. Maybe they need like a little extra thing, which is like appropriate for airplanes <laughs> don't don't just don't because that's by the way don't do that don't don't watch stuff like that on an airplane when you got people next just don't do it don't yeah, find something I, else to watch. it makes me uncomfortable to, to even contemplate it so I, I, I never do that i did that. i was watching a i think a black mirror at one point on a plane and i was like oh geez and just press yeah. the button and like nope not gonna nope didn't know that was gonna be there um dave from the 513 wrote in to say what do you think about the tick now that the rest of season one is out to which i said oh my god the rest of tick season one is out and the answer is yes today the rest of season one of the tick dropped i haven't seen it but i'm very excited to see it because i like the first half me too i i think um 
I think it goes a little back to your thing. I I could actually binge the first, I guess, what, six again? Six, I, ha- I six half hours is a lot easier to binge than 12 hours, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy it's back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump on that and watch that for pleasure. I, I have been, um, I have been holed up at my house. I had a, uh, dermatology, uh, uh, procedure done that basically I couldn't actually be in the sun for, uh, the, for, for three days. You and had then, some stuff, uh, scooped out of you? Oh, no. I had a, uh, it's a whole, like, whole face burn off. Oh, nice. Thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just, it's expedient and better than just doing it bit by <laughs> the bit. Old, the old whole face burn off. It sounds <laughs> whole, great. Yep. <laughs> it's like burning off a bunch of old episodes. They're like, you know what? We yeah. could probably burn two of these off, but let's go. Tonight, yeah. Tim's face, the, all of it is coming off tonight. And then we don't need to uh, show yeah, it. What I, what I underestimated was it, it's not like, uh, let's just put it this way. This is day nine or ten and i still have barely left the house and i so I, i'm gonna be in through the weekend right. probably so it's it's gonna end up being more towards 10 or 11 days uh and so i've been watching a lot of tv and binging things so um i'm gonna be wa- watching for sure um uh the tick that was, it was right. a joy to watch that nice um our friend former uh tv executive uh producer uh writer and uh now retired michael in the 415 up in inverness wrote in oh, yes uh-huh yeah and and he's feeling a little grumpy he says i'm calling bah humbug on the olympics or at least on nbc's primetime coverage i've always enjoyed the olympics winter and summer but in this bleak winter of our broadcast television discontent every single time i turn on the tube to see what's happening in korea it's ice skating night after freaking <laughs> night of ice skating or curling which is nothing more than shuffleboard albeit played by buff athletes on ice rather than geriatric geezers trapped on some nightmarish carnival cruise ship of the damned with norovirus don't forget the norovirus there michael i love curling by the way i am going to watch the gold medal match tonight i live at 10 30 p.m pacific um i I actually kind of love curling um i i I get why he's grumpy but like there's so much olympics on and i've been loving it like to the point where uh, i have not watched like a tv show a regular tv show in two weeks because i've just been watching when when the prime time isn't making me uh excited there's hockey there's curling and there's whatever is on the npc sports network which is like everything else that they've got uh so i think i gotta say it's really easy to to rip nbc but i think they they've done a great job aided by the fact that it's live now for us on the west coast which makes it so much better yeah, I think if you don't want to go search stuff out uh, for streaming or for having it pre-recorded and on and, and then play playable online, then the actual pre-packaged stuff in prime time, I, I think he's right. Because um, uh, I have all I try to tape three different because you know they do have different segments throughout yeah. the day and then they don't always replay everything. Um, the the middle slot in the prime time slot is always heavily <clears throat> uh, ice skating. I'm not an ice skating fan, so I just fast forward through that. Oh. I, I actually went through. Of course, I wrote a whole column saying that I wouldn't be watching TV and I'd be watching the Olympics. And what happened? What's actually happened is I've watched. I've been in reverse. I've been taping all the Olympics, uh, so I I totally know what Michael is up against because I look at this gigantic slog of things and I'm like, oh, how am I going to get through this to catch up to like watch obscure fun things like you know i hear that the men's biathlon was like insanity mm-hmm. uh and a great story and i haven't got to it yet but um but he's right every time i turn it on it's like it's like i've got four hour block and i feel like i fast forward through 
there's you know, a, two and a half of ice skating. There's a lot of figure skating. Mm-hmm. I, I, I totally agree. Um, I, there are people in my family who like it more than I do, but uh, there is a lot of it. But, uh, you know, I just, I feel like I got to see, I've seen a lot of snowboarding and yes. and, and also the wacky new, um, not just snowboarding, but the, by bringing in the snowboarding, they also brought in like the skiing where they like race each other on a course together yeah, and stuff, uh-huh. which they were doing last night, which like, yeah. like ski cross. All that stuff I find really fun. I think short track speed skating is amazing and hilarious and weird. There's so, so, and that's all been in there too. You're right. You know, there's a lot, there's always going to be a lot of figure skating because it does the best. Like, it's the bre- it, yeah, it's the it, bread and butter. It, it, I, I get that, but I, I've had, I've had plenty to watch and plenty that I've just deleted off the TiVo because it's like, wow, I, I just don't have time to do that. They, they got hit by the fact that a lot of the skiing events got pushed off. So like they were going to mix in the downhill and the super G and all of that. And then there was wind. So NBC ended up having like two or three more days where they had no skiing because of the wind. And that, I think, I think that was uh, when Michael sent this, uh, email and it was that was tough that was a tough that, time. that makes sense and i i would just say as, as we have comment we were off last week we haven't commented too much on the olympics i love it as well um you know i did a whole thing about how much i love it and then it's going to make uh catching up on peak tv harder yeah um as i've been plowing through it uh on a <clears throat> some lot live but most of it recorded i have to say it, it's it's like my go-to the other night i was just like i just could not focus and i had work to do and I had, I had a lot of work to do actually. And I just, my brain was not in the right space. And I sat down and I had some downhill, ski, uh, you know, downhill skiing to, yep. to watch. And it's just fascinating. And I, I, even all these years later, a, a good downhill race, watching people do the same run over and over again, I, it doesn't bore me at all. I love like the, how far they get in when they said that they they're flying in the air about the half, half the distance of a football field. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I so, think yeah. I think NBC has done a pretty good job of finding interesting announcers. Like again, going back to the skating, I think uh, Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski are extremely entertaining, um, and then they're, they're they're sort of balanced by the guy who does the sort of like more serious commentary. But it's like I think NBC found something good there, and they've they've used it. I I continue to love Ted Robinson in short track speed skating. Uh, Ted Robinson, obviously, we've been listening to him as a sports announcer yeah. in the Bay Area for a very long time, but he's perfect for that. Uh, he's been doing it. For for a few Olympics now and it, and it's and he knows what he's doing and it is super entertaining. Um, Johnny Mosley, another Bay Area person doing some mm-hmm. of the extreme uh, uh, ski stuff has been good. A lot of their um, a lot of their snowboarding commentary has been good. The only one that I, I, I didn't really like is Bodie Miller, who is d- does the downhill skiing and he is super knowledgeable. I mean, like he knows he knows mm-hmm. everything there is to know about it as a former competitor in that sport. It just sounds like he's waiting for a bus. Like he just, he, that is a man who has no enthusiasm in his voice. And, and I realized it's like, oh, it turns out being knowledgeable is not enough for me. I actually need you to sound like you are excited. And he yeah, and I, 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 he's really knowledgeable and, um, it's interesting cause he's got a good voice, you know, like, for, oh, like yeah. he's got a radio voice and so it's it works clear. For him. He's it's very clear. clear with what he says. He's good at explaining the reasons behind why this person is not doing as well. He has insidery knowledge. It just, again, sounds like there is another place he would rather be. <laughs> and I think I had somebody, I complained about him on Twitter and I actually had somebody say he's from New Hampshire or wherever he's like, they're all like that up there. <laughs> they're all really laconic. And I'm like, that's fine. Fine, but he's on TV. Yeah. <laughs> like, give I me also something. got the sense he didn't want to. Uh, you know, he didn't want to. 
Um, he doesn't want to slag off on the uh, he doesn't on want the to athletes. put anybody down because yeah. I still think he's friends with a lot of those guys. Sure. But like, so if you don't have a, uh, he's great to have the expert analysis. But if you don't have that guy who says, uh, yeah, no, this guy's got no chance. Like he he would he would parse it out that way. But he, you, that that sport needs somebody saying like there is unless he like flies down in a helicopter, there's no chance he's going to yeah. win this. Is that's what you got to say straight up? Right, and and so. and and as as a kind of wacky as uh, Lipinski and Weir are, they also are incredibly knowledgeable. And at several points during the figure skating, things would happen. And they'd be like, "I'm sorry, that's terrible." Or that (laughs) this is a disaster. And like they feel they're not taking glee in it. They feel really bad for the skater because they've both been there. But at the same time, they have that ability to just say, yeah, that was a disaster. It's not what she intended. And her entire and and this goes back to why the Olympics is so amazing is not only is it a spectacle, but the emotional story like these people spend their entire lives for a decade or more Mm -hmm. in some cases for a single moment. Mm-hmm. And if they succeed, it means a sort of immortality. And if they fail, that's it. Like your yeah. entire decade of every single day doing all of this work has come to nothing because your hand touched down at, mm-hmm. you know, at the wrong point or you didn't quite fully rotate coming through the uh, the half pipe on your you know 1080 reverse backside whatever it is that they do on the on the snowboarding so that drama is just amazing so i love the olympics i'm i i i always think can we do this every two years but no okay know, every four right, years yeah. all right, all right. <laughs> i mean we get an olympics well, we every, do two do every two years yeah, but, we get but to, like yeah. i would take the i would take the winter olympics every two years yeah, I, I love them both. They're both. They're I would both take so the Summer fun. Olympics every two years too, but that's nobody wants to host the Olympics anymore, so that's probably a problem. Anyway, uh, but that's okay. You can give your give us your bah humbug, Michael. It's fine. It's fair. I see. <laughs> I see your point. If you aren't into ice skating, into figure skating, then NBC's primetime is going to make you sad. But I will say the yeah. live thing on the West Coast has been a re- it's been a revelation. The fact that we can just start tuning in, or you record it, and by the time you're ready to watch it seven or eight at night, you you can zip through all the stuff that's boring. It's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. All right, Gabe in the three o three wrote in saying HBO and Stars. I'd be curious when the streaming service discussions happen, where these two fit in the mix. I guess they're sort of straddling the divide, but it seems like standalone subscriptions will drive their future growth. So they're mostly playing in the same sandbox as the others. You agree with that, that ultimately these premium cable channels are just very slowly turning into streaming services? Well, I mean, certainly HBO has been doing that for years now. Uh, I was a little surprised when CBS announced that the combination between all access and the, the OTT version of, uh, of Showtime, Showtime right? was 5 million. I, that doesn't seem very much to me. Right. Uh, they were passing it off as like a big success, but I was like, really? I'm kind of stunned by that. And I, I, I don't think that that's, you know, any, uh, slight on CBS all access. Cause they're definitely building and they'll, they'll have something there. I think that's a, definitely a knock on, on Showtime, you know, I think, I don't know. I just, again, I, I think that, I think others will be more in play, but HBO is an essential one. So yeah, it just, it all depends on your content and your back catalog and maybe what movies you have, but yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough build. Yeah, yeah, but in the end, this is where they have to go, right? I mean, these, these things are going to stand or fall in, in the long run as, as streaming services, just like all the others. 
Yeah, you know what? It, it, just a quick, just a quick, not an aside. It, it actually amplifies this point. Is that you know we mentioned a long time ago that somebody that's like because the cable people are not going to support an OTT uh, service that basically kills them. So the fact that FX and uh, AMC were able to sort of sell the idea to their cable p- associates that they would create a c- uh, commercial free OTT service, um, it, it was to me astonishing because that it, but that is the future, but it is astonishing that how they struck that deal. But I will say this in my review of McMafia, which we talked about earlier, I said this series would, de- cause it moves really slow. I said this series would definitely benefit from, uh, being able to watch all the episodes in a row. Right. Because at least then it doesn't seem so slow because you can, if you got through three, you could keep going. Uh, and it turns out that AMC Premiere is offering, like, if so, if you pay, if you have, if you have that service, it's a $4.99 add on, then the night of McMafia, you can get all the episodes, get oh, all eight. See, that's interesting. Yeah. So smart, smart that way. It, it actually brings to mind something that I saw going by with a bunch of different TV critics on Twitter. Uh, not you, because you're not there. Um, <laughs> But it was, uh, the, and there was a story about it, about how a bunch of people have been watching ER because ER got added to Hulu, all 8,000 episodes of ER. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a show for me that went from being brilliant to being okay to I'm not going to watch it anymore to is this still on to oh God, is this still still on? And then yeah. it finally went off the air. But what they said, uh, some people who were binging it said, it turns out that a lot of the things that you remember as being long and terrible story arcs when you're binging it are they're just gone in a flash and they said this was like this when they revisited lost too it's like boy they seemed seemed like they were in those cages for a long time but that was because you had two weeks of episodes and then you had three three four weeks of reruns and then you came back and you got another five episodes and then you got some more reruns and it makes these uh like cul-de-sacs of storytelling the the weak parts of the story seem endless but once you can you have access to everything all of that just evaporates. It's like, yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it's immediately over. And I think that's fascinating how, how we respond to a show can completely change based on whether you can watch them all on demand or whether you had them parceled out a few weeks at a time. And in the old days, followed by a bunch of reruns, followed by a few more weeks at a time. I can't even imagine that anymore. I know, God. right? Well, I remember how we watched Lost, and it would be like, mm-hmm. oh, well, we get seven episodes of Lost weekly, and then we okay. wait another seven weeks, and then we get another eight episodes of Lost weekly. It was just so frustrating. Uh, and yeah. then you wait for three months, and then it comes back. It's just, no, let's not do that anymore. Uh, let's see. we got a couple more. Richard from the 209. That is my hometown it area is. code. Mm-hmm. The good old 209. Says, thanks for all the great TV advice for all these years. Here's one for you. La Casa de Pa. Papel, which Netflix has retitled with the very pedestrian title Money Heist. <laughs> it's a Spanish series about a money heist. <laughs> but it's gripping from the get-go. I imagine it was just part of the Netflix strategy of adding everything ever made. But check it out for the first 20 minutes and I think you'll be hooked. So okay. there you go. Money okay. Heist. Money Heist. That's my that's yeah. too funny now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. House of Paper. Paper House. Maybe but Money Heist. Okay. Let's heist some money, everybody. Okay. Art from the 425 wrote in. 
and this is another sort of international Netflix thing. Um, he said, we just started watching Dark, the Netflix series, which is German mm-hmm. made and might be described as a little bit Stranger Things and a little bit Fortitude. My wife's mm-hmm. reaction is that it's pretty good and very refreshing that not everyone is a beautiful Hollywood actor or actress. I thought that was a cool observation. Being German, it is dubbed and the dubbing is just so-so. As the industry is moving toward both sourcing and distributing content internationally, how are they going to deal with the translation issues? Dubbing has to get better or something else needs to happen. And I suspect there is plenty of incentive to improve this situation any thoughts on what the industry is exploring in this area it seems like all our fabulous ai and machine learning should be able to generate a better dubbed version somehow um, i responded to art by the way and i said one one of the nice things netflix does is let you pick you can go back to the original german with english subtitles and i've had several people recommend that to me as the way to watch that show but it, regarding ai what i wrote back to art was but can you imagine dubbing in a TV show where all the voices are like Siri and Alexa? <laughs> it would be hilarious and also terrible. But this is an issue, right? More international a show gets, you got to deal with like dubbing or subtitling or, or whatever in order to make it mark- marketable in different languages. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely an issue. I think that uh, I think you hit on the on the on the right point. I would hate to have it sound like Siri or Alexa, but because <laughs> they drive me crazy already. But uh, when you talk to people who make these shows, the the default is you know obviously same language. If you can't do same language, the default is subtitles. Um, so they feel they feel like the last option uh, is dubbed. And I'm not sure they want to put money into the dub part because they are hoping that people will just watch the subtitles. And yet when Dark premieres on Netflix, I think the default is you get it in, you get it in the English dub if you're in the U.S. You don't get the German with subtitles. Oh and it doesn't God. bring up a menu. This is the other thing they could do is they could bring up a little thing that says, how would you like to watch this show? Would you like to watch it in German with subtitles or would you like to watch it in, with an English dub? But they don't do that. They like pick one. And then you have to go and like reconfigure it to do the other, I believe. Well, I wonder what the... So when he's saying that the dubbing is bad, is it that the accents are bad? I, I think it sounds like it's just a bad, like, yeah, like it's a bad job. I don't know beyond that whether it's the <laughs> accents or whether it's just the translations are dumb or uh-huh. what. Or I the don't, timing of the lips moving. Yeah, thing. could be. We, we are going in the back room. Or the voices what? are really weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the... Uh, what was it that I discovered? So going back to Star Trek for a second, that, that the... I think the German dub of Star Trek The Next Generation, apparently they didn't quite understand what they were getting. And, and I think it's uh, Commander Data has like a weird, like high-pitched cartoon character voice. And then all the Germans, when they saw the regular English version, are like, oh, <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> like sometimes they don't make sense. So anyway, stay oh, tuned for the adventures of Syria and Alexa. They solve crimes in German. Get ready for that. <laughs> That's all the letters. That's all we have. Um, uh, anything else? I, I don't want, I'm going to let you Columbo me if you've got anything else on the agenda. I, I do not. I would just tell you as somebody who I know loves uh, uh, continuum that I, that I've seen all the way through the end and um, Con- continuum or travelers. I uh, know. Um, uh, is count, uh, counterpart. Sorry, uh, counterpart. Oh, that's a totally yeah. different show. You've seen all yeah. the way. Okay, I, I, I haven't watched 10. it in the last couple of weeks. Was, is it is it still good? Are you feeling good? It's amazing. Okay. It, it it just gets yeah. better and better, and it makes it. God, I hope I haven't been saying continuum all no, you podcasts. Haven't. You haven't. Okay, thank God. Okay, no. Counterpart gets better. Continuum I mean, I is the Simon Davis Barry show. <laughs> Travelers <laughs> is the Brad Wright show. Those are both Canadian. This is Counterpart is 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 uh, set in Germany and, and and it's on stars and people should watch it because it is great. And I, 
And I should say to my, to my friend, Simon Davis Berry, that I, when I said, oh, my God, I hope I wasn't saying continuum, that's not a slight to continuum. It is a it's slight the wrong about me. show. Like, yes. It's literally just the wrong show. I was show. hoping I wasn't talking about the wrong show all the time. No. But no, Counterpart, Counterpart. Uh, hits it, like, uh, all the way through. It's just it's really, really As soon as wonderful. the Olympics are over, as soon as there's no more curling for me to watch, I'll go right back. I, and I will say one thing that I, that I loved, just because I, if it goes past, for anybody who's watching this series, uh, as you know, that, that there's two worlds – and, and there's one of them's technolo- technologically ahead of the other. Uh, there's a great moment where there's a, somebody watching a train and two other people are on a different platform. And the person has to come back and say, the train will be coming in at 1018. And they're like, okay, stay on it. Uh, and then he walks away and you're like, that is brilliant because how easy would it for you, you forget that there's a technological gap. And um, anyway, I, I just thought little things like that were made me laugh out loud. Like, Oh, I remember that world. No one had a cell phone. <laughs> right. Uh, so. Yeah. There, there's that great, there's a great moment in, I think episode three that I watched, which where they have, uh, they have like a lunch with the diplomats mm-hmm. from the other side and the guy brings out his, uh, his smartphone mm-hmm. and then everybody's like looking at him. He's like, Oh gee, sorry. And he puts yeah. it away and they're like, look, you know, we've gotten glimpses. It's not, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Um, and there's, that, there's tech jealousy, which is yeah. great for you oh, no, and because you heard about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh no, you know, it's fine. We had to stop a huge plague that almost <laughs> killed everybody. And it kind of slowed down our fancy technology progress. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I, just thought, yeah, I just thought it was a great thing to like, literally like walk you through it where like, you know, they had to have a guy on a platform walk all the and you see him walking up the steps in the distance while the interior conversations, I mean, where the two people were having conversation and then you see him walking towards the camera. It's the, they, they, they play it out beautifully because it's like, Oh, that poor Assad. He's had to walk up the steps all the way over to say, Trains at ten eighteen. They're like, okay, stay on that, and he turns around, he walks away. <laughs> I just thought that is brilliant. I just, it's a little thing like that. I loved it. Mm. Anyway, all right, people can reach us. Tweet at us at TVTM. Send us an email at podcast at tvtalkmachine.com. We appreciate getting your letters, and we read them on the show. And uh, we'll be back next week. The show has not been canceled, uh, but until then, Tim, have a great weekend. <laughs> all right, you too, Jason. Bye, everybody. Bye.